I'm Stephen Downey and you're very welcome to episode 12 of the Mindful Living Guide. In this week's episode I talk to Rachel Smith who is a teacher and a coach but an all-around beautiful, beautiful soul. Uh, we talk about the journey that she's been on over the last few years and I have to admit some of it I didn't realise till we actually started our conversation but it just shows the depth of strength that lives within Rachel. We talk about the rituals that Rachel takes every single day, including meditation and journaling, to uh, keep her grounded and keep her aware of her inner strength. It's a beautiful episode and I really hope you enjoy it. You are very welcome to this week's episode of the Mindful Living Guide. And this week I have Rachel Smith, who is as well as teaching uh, full time in primary school. She's also a coach and helps many, many people in the coaching business that she has built up over the last few years. Rachel and myself have a lot of uh, things in common and some of our conversations have been very deep at times. And I know that Rachel's background in meditation and in mindfulness that has brought her on the journey that she is at the moment is really going to help a lot of our viewers and a lot of us out there. So without further ado, Rachel, you're very, very welcome to the Mindful Living Guide. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. Oh, it's great to have you here. And I have to actually admit, um, a lot of people know, and I mentioned it on the last episode uh, that just went out, that I took a break from the um, podcast for a while. And it was actually Rachel's encouragement to get me back out there and uh, and recording again. That it's, it's very easy to uh, let one week slip by in another week. So, uh, Rachel, I have to say thank you very much for um, the encouragement to get to get back back on the headphones and uh, and start recording again. So, Rachel, can you give the uh, the listeners um, just a bit of background about yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I suppose my whole personal development journey started when I was probably in my early 30s. I'm 39 now, so I'm hanging on to 30s by the skin of my teeth. Um, I had my first son when I was 30, and I had my second son when I was 32. And I had this huge sense of overwhelm a lot of the time. Um, I was burnt out. I was exhausted. I was given to everybody else apart from myself. Um, and I remember I'd be completely wound up, and I, I didn't really understand. I, I thought this was just normal. Um, you weren't supposed to ask for breaks you weren't it wasn't okay to go out with your friends it was all about the kids and I around that time I remember I was started searching for things to try and help me because I had everything on paper that I wanted I had a lovely house and a great husband and beautiful healthy kids and I you know I was happy in the skin that I was in or I thought I was but yet there was still something that felt off and I couldn't put my finger on it so I started getting interested in personal development books. And the first one I read was Gretchen Rubin, The Happiness Project. I'm not, I'm not sure, I'm sure you've read it. Um, and it just kind of changed my view on how goal setting or personal development didn't have to be for like these big business people or, you know, people who like go off and travel the world that it could be for a regular mom that was struggling putting small little practices in place, taking time for myself. And that was the kind of start of this whirlwind that I'm completely addicted to now. <laughs> and I started building up practices. And I remember on my after having my second son, and there was 19 months between the two, I have three boys, Adam, Ryan and Luke. But on my second son, I remember going to um, a yoga class. 
And I remember I would go on a Tuesday and I remember I loved the part at the end where you lie down and you relax and everything is beautiful. My favorite, my favorite part of yoga as well. (laughs) I wanted to say that word, but I I knew I wouldn't get it out. (laughs) And I loved that time. And I remember I would go the whole week and it would build and build and build and I'd be wound up. And then I would get to the yoga again and I, it was just like, everything was just released. And I remember saying to myself, God, what if I could bring a little bit of that home? Like, how could I bring some of that home? And I slowly started getting into the Headspace, the meditation app. Brilliant. And li- slowly, little by little, I just started becoming interested. I had no idea about my thoughts or changing my thoughts or the effect of stress on my body. So thank God I started to build up these little practices and, um, you know, there's so much that's happened to me and, you know, myself and yourself have connected. I uh, Unfortunately, I lost my brother in 2017 and I spoke to you about this before yeah. we lost him to suicide. And the practices that I had built up to then absolutely saved me and was crucial in my survival. And I suppose this is my message to people to build up these practices when they're well and when they're healthy so that when stuff happens and it's going to happen to all of us Mm -hmm. you know bad things happen to all of us but I had those practices in place that was was able to help me you know staying in the moment um being like there is never a better time to be present than in that moment when there's so much horror around you uh so really then I suppose Alan died 2017 I was pregnant on my third son I was seven months pregnant on my third son so you can imagine what that was like absolutely And there was a sense in me, I remember being at his funeral and there was just this sense in me, there's something else that I have to do. And I couldn't put my finger on what it was. I just couldn't, I knew there was something and I adored teaching and I still love it. But there was something else pulling me and I was listening to these um, personal development podcasts and I wanted to find other people that had lived through horrific circumstances and still managed to have a wonderful life. And that was my thing. I still want to have a wonderful life, even though this tragedy has has come to our door that, you know, I never would have associated. That's an, an amazing realization to have that a lot of people um, and I know a lot of people know my own background as well as that I lost my brother in a tragic accident as well. And there's always this um, this feeling that um, how will I ever be happy again? And I think it's, it's amazing to talk to people like yourself as well that have in just embraced their future as well. And also there's, there's some, something else that was jumping out from what you were saying there that I love is that all along through that, you said about little practices, little practice. It wasn't yeah. looking for one big, massive thing to change everything. It was, it was all these little, small little practices that helped you all along. And mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's amazing that um, I, did, I, I didn't realize you had all those practices in place before uh, Alan's tragedy. And... Mm-hmm it's uh, in some ways for myself as well that I I had taken up mindfulness uh, about only about six or eight months before um, my own brother Mark uh, passed away and in some ways I just think that um, the universe has our back does that make mm. sense that like it's it's like we're building up these tools to be able to deal with it and um, so you have you, you'd been you'd, 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 at that point then you you felt that there was something missing and um what what did you, what steps did you take then to to follow that journey then after that? Well, I just had, as I said, I had this sense, this tug, and I just remember saying to myself, "Just be curious. You don't have to know what it is, but if I'm standing still, what's the next step I can take towards letting things go?" And to me, like even coaching, what I do, it's as important to figure out what do I need to let go of, 
and what do I need to carry with me? So I remember saying to somebody in the schoolyard, is it yoga teaching? I enjoy yoga. It's not, yo I'm not really sure. So I remember driving to school um, to pick up my child. I was still on maternity leave and I was listening to a podcast and the guy in the podcast was a life coach. And it was, it was literally a bing. What? A life coach? That's it. That's the thing. This was in the November. And in the February, I was on the life coaching course. And I oh, just wow. said to my husband, this doesn't make sense. I said, I, I don't understand what it is. It was a lot of money. It was like I had at that stage, my son was nine months old. Um, but I just knew that I had to be on that course. And that's the thing. I don't have it all figured out, but I just know what the next step is and what feels right and what to bring with me. And it's, a, it's an amazing feeling, though, as well, because a lot of people can get overwhelmed by the, the journey ahead of them, whereas what you did all along was just look at what's the next step. What's the, what's the, what's the next, next thing I have to do to, to, to get there, which is fantastic. That's obviously amazing. But also as well, losing somebody and having to go through the things that I had to do, it makes you fearless. It does. It makes you fearless because I kind of feel like, you know, I, you know I'm doing a lot of workshops and presentations and talks and I'm putting myself out there. You know, six years ago, I would never have done that. But I'm saying things that I had to go through doing a talk in front of 50 people that's not hard <laughs> not that it's not hard but it's 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 good scary it's exciting and it's also this feeling that my life's I'm not taking my life for granted mm -hmm. this is a gift every morning I wake up it's a gift and I know it sounds cheesy but that's the reality I'm not guaranteed and I had another challenge last year um Again, building up those practices, keeping those practices going. But in March, the 9th of March last year, just before we closed down for lockdown, I had a tumour on my thyroid that was cancerous. So I actually had thyroid cancer. I yeah. OK. Yes. <laughs> you um, have to watch my videos. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, how, how are you now? I'm really well. I'm perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um, but basically... Again, it's going back to those practices. I had, they found something on my, my thyroid. I had a biopsy that they weren't sure. I had surgery, everything went well. And then a month later, they said, it's cancer. It's cancer that you have. And I wasn't to see anyone then until the following September. But again, Stephen, it was, I'm well today. Yeah. I'm well today. Yeah. And I knew I was going to be okay. And when I went in and mm -hmm. I said to the consultant, you know, she said, how have you been? And I said, I've been really well. I don't know if I'm burying my head in the sand or whether, um, you know, because I, I wasn't sure whether I was dealing with it. And she said, no, you did the right thing. I listened to the advice. I listened to what the doctor said. And I said, I'm not going to spend the next six months of my life. COVID was hard enough yeah. as it was worrying about this. Yeah. And I was absolutely fine. Now, had the news been different, that would have been a different story. Yeah. But I think that embodies the mindfulness practice that you're Absolutely. talking about and all the way to through this conversation i'm i'm hearing things like uh letting go like being present in it, and there's there's so many fundamentals of, of mindfulness that are coming through this that mm. i think people can learn an awful lot from and i think it's when we get unbelievable news like that um it's very easy to be overwhelmed and it's about just taking that breath and just stepping back and being able to um to kind of react in in a skillful way, which you have absolutely done. And and I'm so, so delighted to know that you're on the other end of that journey now and that you are really, really well. Um, it's one, one thing actually I, I, I wanted to talk about actually as well. And I know we discussed this a bit a year ago. So um, about, if we talk about the, 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 the letting go side of mindfulness and um, you, you started up um, 
was it a grief clinic at one point um, to allow people to kind of to discuss about grief and to discuss about letting go as well. Can you tell yeah, me? Yeah, I actually I went to a grief group before because, you know, when somebody like that dies, that's so close to you, it was very hard to process it. And I remember saying to somebody, if this happened to my cousin or my friend's brother, I'd nearly feel sadder because I, I couldn't comprehend it. It was too big. It was yeah. too big to understand. And I think my body went into survival mode. And I think also, you know what Irish funerals are like? Everybody is drinking. And it was two weeks before me because Alan died when he was abroad. So by the time he got home, so there was a lot of, but because I was pregnant, I was completely clear. I was, I remember picking up little nuggets along the way of things that helped me. It was so clear. But I remember thinking to myself, um, you know, I need to speak to somebody. I need to I need to find somebody that can help me figure this out. And I remember Googling celebrities who have lost people to suicide because right. I didn't know anybody. Like for yeah. me, suicide was just for people who were selfish or were only thinking of themselves. I wasn't aware. So I decided to go to a grief, grief group. I contacted Pieta House at the time and um, they were very good. I didn't follow on with that because I just felt I was very close to the end of my pregnancy. I said, I'll do it afterwards. But I, I joined a group and they were really, really amazing. Like re everybody shared the story and um, it was really helpful. And it, it was somewhere that you felt normal. Right. You know, it was particularly for people who'd lost people to suicide. And I think that's so important is even in the episode that uh, we released there last week and I'm talking about um, self-compassion and um, it's just about realizing that you're not alone and yeah. just bring, bring this kind of normality to it because it's an unbelievable overwhelming uh, feeling and like you're saying that you had no understanding before about about suicide at all until it is literally on your door and um I'm actually, do you know what I, I, I haven't said yet, but I should say that I'll, I'll put a few um, the support uh, up at the end because this is this is a conversation that, but it may trigger people in ways that we don't know. Um, yeah. As as the the metal of a podcast can go out, we've no idea who, who goes out to or what kind of state they're in at the moment. But to my message to anyone out there is to to know that you're not alone and there is people that care about you and I'm going to put up some supports at the end of this and uh, that hopefully will, will help people in that um but I've, I've kind of digressed a bit actually um on this but I just I I'm, I'm blown away really uh by the the power within you and it seems like that I, I I've talked to many people um to that have losses and has tragedies through their life and it just seems that it's it, it's like a a turning point in their life that has opened up their eyes to where they really want to go and I think that's that's something that's happened to you really is would I be right mm. that it's kind of it's it's opened up your eyes to really what's what's important in life to you yeah and I also see I mean th th there's things that I said around the time of Alan's death that I didn't realize they're common things that people say when they lose people and I suppose one of them, I remember my dad two or three days after he died and my dad would say, you know, he said something like, you know, people say, say it'll take 10 years to go over this. And I said, I'm not doing that. I'm not spending 10 years. And we all got back up. And I remember a few months afterwards, I remember it was my son's christening and everybody really rallied around. And we had a great day. We were all a little bit on edge because, but I feel like Alan's death, I said, nothing else bad can come from this nothing else bad I made that decision and 
what did I see? What gifts did he give me in his death? Well, he made me see the amazing friends that I had around me. He let me see the resilience that I have. Um, like I imagined, um, I imagined meeting Alan when I die, the day I die and meeting him. And, you know, I said to, I, I always imagine saying to him, you know, are you proud of me for what I did? And there's two things he could say. The first one could be, you wasted your life crying about me. You wasted it. And I was fine. And you ruined your kid's life. And, you know, you should have got back up. So that's one option. The other option is, I'm proud of it. You got up and you kept on going. And I was behind you 100%. And I just have that vision. And that's not to say that I don't have bad days, Stephen. That's not to say I don't cry. That's not just like I welcome the grief and I welcome the tears. And I could be bopping around the place and, oh, this is great. And then, you know, when I go home, there could be floods of tears. And that's what I mean about living mindfully. I have to work to keep myself well. It's not a case of saying, oh, I'm grand. I have to be careful around, um, you know, even I had a lot of weddings around that time because a lot of my friends were getting married, you know, to be very careful around alcohol um, you know, that sense of going into yourself or that sort of anxiety around it. Um, journaling is really powerful, but it's necessary. It's not a luxury for me. I have to journal meditation and it's really funny because I was in touch with my friends and I said to her god I've really got off the wagon I haven't been meditating and I haven't been journaling and she said I'm glad because she said if you were doing that all the time she said you'd be an awful dose so she said I'm glad <laughs> fall off the wagon but it's that sense that I know I'm well when I'm doing that those things yeah. I do let it drop off especially around Christmas time and I was getting up later and all these kind of things but they're practices that I have to do and sometimes my husband said you know do you ever get fed up of reading these books and listen to podcasts and I say well this is what I need to do to keep myself well this is Rachel operating at a good you know good energy and very very positive but I can very easily slip but I know what to do to get myself back up there yeah absolutely and and it's so important to um to even like the, the, the forgiveness I can I can sense from you in yourself is that like yeah I might let it slip for a while but that's okay you know, it's yeah. like there's so many people, um, myself included, that if you kind of go off the, the wagon as, as such and yeah. uh, we beat ourselves up, we're going to say, geez, I should be doing that. Like, geez, how can I talk about this stuff if I'm not practicing yeah. all the time myself? And I've uh, if, if I constantly talk to myself like that, I wouldn't go back and practice. But I know that um, I can have good days and I can have bad days. And mm-hmm. but there will be more good days to come. And um, it's amazing. I, and I mean, you know, sorry. Even that piece around the self-compassion piece, I remember during my coaching course, there was 22 of us. So you can imagine the conversations, like we were all just in deep from the very beginning and I'm still friends with a lot of them. And I remember one lady saying to me, um, tell me about self-love. Do you, know, do you love yourself? And I said, yeah, of course, of course I do, you know? And, and I was, yeah, I think I do. But the thing about it was, is I loved myself when I was doing well. I loved myself when I was confident. I loved myself when I was, you know, operating well in work or being a good parent. I didn't love myself when I wasn't doing so well or when I was having those off days. And it was that sense of, God, what did you do that for? Or why did you say that? Or why, you know, whatever it was, it was that kind of berating myself. So I didn't really understand the self-love. It was, I love Rachel when she's doing what she's supposed to do. So it's embodying that whole sense. And I mean, even yesterday, I don't know whether it was coming to the end of the month um, and winter, my energy was just down and I went upstairs and I lay in the bed and I actually climbed under the covers. And this is three o'clock in the day. I would never do that. It's not me. But today it lifted. And I said to myself, I needed that yesterday. 
And it's a question I ask myself, what do I need? I do, I need to lie down. I'm tired. I need a rest. Everyone is pulling out of me, you know, and I, you know, I think the mom is the heart of the house and I'm keeping everyone going. And, and sometimes I say to my kids, I'm tired always being the one to be saying, come on, let's go out for a walk. And they're saying it's boring. And I'm saying, yeah, it's boring. I think it's boring too, but it's, um, it's listening. What do I need? And, and, you know, I used to talk a lot about time management because with doing the teaching and the coaching and being a parent and a wife and a friend and all these things, and now I'm much more interested in energy management. So if I'm coaching in the evening times, it's like, right, tomorrow it's bath time or it's reading or it's um, having a chat to my friends. So it's very much more about the energy. So that's a and sense having, of having that, that self-care routine in place yeah. for so you know, right, I am going to be pushing hard then. This is what I need to do to get my energy yeah. back up again. Fantastic. And- and it's not that sense of balance, you know, like, oh, home gets the same as school or work or coaching or whatever. It's harmony. It's it's sometimes I'll, you know, like tonight I, I said, right, kids, not putting you to bed tonight. Dad's putting you to bed tonight. But then tomorrow I'm the one that's there. You know, and my husband is very he's he's in uh, he loves triathlons and he's he's signed up for these Ironmen. So we're both very ambitious people. So we support each other. So it's a sense of sometimes I need to be more present here and then other times he does. So it's and we get it right and we get it wrong a lot of the time as well, as you can imagine, you know. Absolutely. And and it's so it's like it's so important. Like one thing you're saying there is about balance. And it's funny. Um, there's a question I was, I was literally about to ask you there about um, what do you think of mindful living? And a question an answer a lot of people have been given over the episodes is that it's balance. You know, it's mm. it's about balance. So, Rachel, what like if, if I say mindful living or to, to live mindfully what does that mean to you and I think you probably have covered a lot of this uh, already but what does that mean to you well there's two things that really I suppose jump out at me and one is the word intentional be intentional so I feel when I'm kind of going off the radar a little bit I tend to get a tightness around my jaw and around the back of my neck I can feel prickles and it's the next day it would be in my journal it would be intentional and I remember a day that I was really intentional and it sticks out in my head. It was a Sunday afternoon and the, the kids were gone out somewhere with Gary. They were gone to the park and it was a summer's day and I made a cup of coffee and I lit a candle even though I was outside and I turned on, my Nana had just passed away and she loved Nat King Cole and I turned on Nat King Cole and I sat out there in the garden and the sun was beating down and I had my book and a little butterfly came down onto the book and I just sat there and said, this is it like I've hit the jackpot and it was nothing it wasn't a big deal but it was the intentionality of this is what I'm doing because you know a couple of years ago when the kids were younger everything was running racing go 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 you know no autopilot yeah you know it's autopilot 100 percent. whereas now it's more like going from the default mode to the design mode how am I going to design my day and it's busy but I work so much with moms now and it's like, I don't have time. So, well, you're not taking the time and it's building pockets. Nobody, okay, we all love going to the spa for the day or going out for a meal, but in a regular Monday on a regular day, like today I had an amazing day and it was just a regular day, but it's building in those little pockets, you know, sitting down and having your cup of coffee, putting your phone away, am I all this kind of scrolling and it's the intention. What's the intention here? What kind of a day am I going to have? Um, and another thing that comes up for me, and I do struggle with this even because I'm saying, you know, I don't like being busy, but I am like, I am busy, busy, busy. Yeah. And I have great conversations. I have a wonderful friend called Leah. I think you know Leah. Um, and she 
Uh, she's also a coach and we would do a lot of, we'd have a lot of conversations and uh, something that comes up a lot is ease. Yeah. Am I at ease? And that's something that I'm really working towards. What does yeah. it mean to be at ease? Yeah. Do I feel at ease? How can I bring more ease in my life? And at the moment, I have about 10 post-its with the word ease, all these questions, and I'm going to be sticking them on my locker and inside my wardrobe it, just to remind myself. It's, it's one of my, my favorite words. And it's it's part of like a loving kindness kind of meditation is that may I live in ease. Mm. And even when you say it, it's just like, and, and we all... We all have that intention to do it, but it's it's kind of it's bringing ourselves out of that um, autopilot mode and, like you're saying, just like live with with intention and it's it's conscious living. It's about being fully conscious about what's happening in your life and being present. Yeah, like a simple thing that I did today. Um, my my kids were in doing a workout with my husband today, and I had sausages there for the lunch. And I was cooking them and I just, I love the sound of the sausages and I love the smell. And I was going to just empty the wash and say, I'll just run up here. And I said, ease. And I just stood and I just moved the sausages and I could smell it. And it reminded me of, uh, you know, the movie Oliver. Right. Yeah. Musical. And Nancy yeah. is cooking the sausages, right? Anyone who's an Oliver musical fan will know this. But I always remember her just scooping around the sausages and it reminded me of that. And just in that moment, I was just there scooping around the sausages and there was no panic, whereas before it could have been, oh, I'll go up and I'll put away the washing, then I'll come down, the sausages would be burned, you know. So it's just slowing down. What do I not need to do? My house is definitely not as clean as it used to be. You know, there's definitely things that have been let go, but it's kind of, you know, it, it, it's it's having a balance. That's what it is. And yeah. it's taken time for me. And, you know, I mean, if I have like two hours of time before my husband would take the kids out, I would run around the house and I'd be hoovering and I'd be putting the washing away and he'd come home and he'd say, did you enjoy that time? And I'd say, well, I did this, this, this. Yeah. I didn't enjoy it. <laughs> this know, sounds like an episode of my house. <laughs> yeah. You know, look, but that's the thing. We're all the same, Stephen. Yeah. And when I hear things like clients, I'm, you know, they're saying, am I mad for thinking this? Am I mad? I'm like, we're all the same. Yeah. Whereas now if he's gone out for two hours, I'm like, right, half an hour washing, I'll prep the dinner and an hour for me or, you know, half an hour walk. So it's being intentional about that time yeah. instead of sitting down with a cup of coffee, scrolling on my phone for two hours and then him coming back and saying, God, what a waste of time. Yeah. So ease and intention are my two kind of keywords and everything I'm saying to you are things that I need to hear myself yeah so I don't have them all figured out but it's just what I'm working on at the minute yeah and it's I think it's about having conversations like this that um we kind of remind ourselves of what works you know and it's um it's amazing Rachel I could talk to you all day long and uh, <laughs> this is a conversation that I've, I've been dying for for a long time so I really appreciate um you coming on the show and and talking with intention and ease about yeah. uh, everything that you've been going through because it's it's been an unbelievable journey for for you to get to where you are now. Um, if um, if any of our audience wants to contact you, uh, what's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah, um, I have um, Instagram is really where I'm most present. I have a lot of videos, and so it's Rachel Smith Coaching. And I am a life coach, but I work a lot with parents. So it's parent coaching as well that I do. And I do a lot of workshops and talks and events. And then my website is rachelsmithcoaching.com. Fantastic. And I'm going to have all those details on the show notes. Uh, so we'll point to that uh, for uh, when you see this episode, you'll see all the, all the show notes as well. Rachel, listen, thank you so much. I really appreciate being on the show and I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation and 
as always, keep listening to the show and I hope you've enjoyed the Mindful Living Guide. Thanks, Stephen. So there you have our episode with Rachel Smith. As you can see from our conversation, meditation has been a massive part of Rachel's journey and it has got her through some very dark days and um, has kept her on her path. Uh, of course, we spoke briefly about what happened to Rachel's brother and touched on suicide. So, of course, if anything has triggered you at all in this episode and you feel like you do need extra support, please go out and seek that extra support. There are many places that you can seek support right now, like yourmentalhealth.ie, which is set up by the HSC. They also have a text line 50808 that you can text at any time of the day and it's free to contact. There's also supports like Pieta House. And many others throughout Ireland that you can seek help right now. My number one advice, of course, and always is just talk. Just talk, talk, talk. So I really hope you've enjoyed the episode. As always, please follow us on Spotify or on Apple Play. If you're on Apple, please leave a a review. I'd love to hear what you think of uh, the podcast and it might just help for other people to see it. Uh, For now, I'm Stephen Downey and this has been The Mindful Living Guide.